Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're You're about about to to Get get jumped. Jumped. Welcome to episode 165 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, episodes 16 through 20, where Mustang cooks some pork, Barry can't stop petting himself, and Mustang gets a pretty lady all heated up. And if you're thinking to yourself, oh man, we're about to have some Rule 34 going on all up in this hizzy, uh, you'd be incorrect unless you're really into fireplay? And then if you are, this might be like right up your alley. So get your boiling candle wax ready, because we're jumping into Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Weird. <laughs> Coming from the person who listens like religiously to like, a, I I assume multiple sex podcasts at this point. <laughs> no, just the one, but it's been running for a long time. Savage Lovecast, it's good. Mm. So hey, everybody. Um, we are recording this the night before we decide our new show, so we don't know what it <sighs> is yet. Uh, yeah. But- but it looks it looks like it's a dead heat still between Mob and uh, Vinland Saga. Hold on, uh, make small talk really quick while I, I take a look and see what what's going on with this poll. Well, I was it? just gonna say it's been a weird time, and the first week of whatever show wins is gonna be weird because I've got a uh, I'm doing this like theater summer camp that's three weeks and so usually my schedule is very open and spencer and i have an easy time recording during the week but uh this past week and the coming week and the one after it i have no free time i literally had like multiple days where when i got home i went to bed and then i woke up and left again Mm. and spencer has a new work schedule so our ability to Record during the week is zero until a couple weeks from now. And it's cool because, you know, I don't know. I think these are both good opportunities for us, but it is making podcasting real difficult. (laughs) So I feel like I'm in a complete haze and uh, I don't know. I I, am looking forward to the excitement of a new show to help snap me out of it because, man, watching these episodes was a little tough just because my brain is dead and I am so, 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 so sleepy. Yeah. Well, uh, I will say I just checked and it looks like Vinland Saga is in the lead. Um, oh, so, wow. Yeah. Now, it, Dark if Horse. you're listening to this, this episode comes out on Friday. It's my understanding that the Sunday before this episode comes out will have been when the poll closes. Is that right? That's correct. It is closing tomorrow. Tim- so, tomorrow. So none of this is going to help you if you wanted to vote. <laughs> yeah, but let this be a lesson to you, Cupcakes. If you didn't vote and you didn't want Vinland Saga to win, the power was inside you all along. Mm. And, uh, you know, you'll get him. You'll get him next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I don't have anything other than than that to talk about. Other than man, I I've been binging the Loki show and it is good. Um, yeah. Oh, Marvel stuff. 
the Marvel shows have been pretty good so far. I like I really liked WandaVision, but mm-hmm. I definitely got swept up in all the internet speculation and I felt like the end product was not made for that. <laughs> and I think they accidentally made a show that fans thought was going to be real big in the end and it was not. And then Falcon and the Winter Soldier was like bad. a perfectly fine is bad show. I don't I I don't think it was bad. I do this, think it's interesting. I don't know if you uh, follow Nando V movies on the YouTube, but he's one of my favorite film and TV vloggers. And he is, he, he uh, br- brought to my attention the fact that Falcon and the winter soldier was originally planned to be a storyline about a global pandemic. And then they had to change it. So he made at least one video pointing out the points in the story that seem pretty clearly to be holdovers from the pandemic, which is actually something that has been confirmed by the showrunner. So we know that that was actually the original plot. Um, and he has a good video pointing those things out and also um, speculating on the ways in which the story was changed to allow them to go forward with releasing the show without you know without having to scrap the whole thing and start over but with you know taking the major plot element of a global pandemic out of it Mm. and that's really interesting and i would also say an understandable decision that they made but a real fucking shame right like a shut a superhero story about heroes fighting in the midst of a global pandemic is interesting and the flag smashers it is my understanding would have been at least partially fighting for vaccine distribution to communities that weren't able to fight for themselves which i think would have helped make them more sympathetic protagonists but yeah uh, then we had a real life global pandemic and marvel was like well it may be too soon and they're mm. probably right about that but it is a shame and yeah, I think Loki so far, I've only seen the first, have I seen four? I've seen either three or four episodes. I have not seen the most recent one, um, but it's my favorite one so far by by a good margin. I feel like it gives me the, sim- the same like something big and fun is happening here vibes that WandaVision did, but WandaVision spent a lot of that energy on slipping in little Easter eggs and little strange moments into the sitcom premise and then giving you like big whammos at the end of an episode. And I think that Loki, you know, doesn't have that premise. And so you just get to live in the like weird, spectacular, high concept world. And I, I really like that. So it's been hitting well for me and now black widows out. And I haven't seen that either. Cause Pete is, He's out in the field, so I don't get to see it until next weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I, I feel like I feel like this might be my favorite one of the shows so far, which is saying something because I, I did also very much enjoy WandaVision. Um but this one You is, said you, you you said you did think it would be your favorite one? No, I did not think it was gonna be my favorite. Um because I really oh. like WandaVision because WandaVision Yeah. Um, if you if you don't know, does a does a really good job at um, playing around with uh, um, 
uh, does a really good job of playing around with premise. Like it is, it is very different from what you would expect um, uh, a Marvel show to be. It it plays around, or, or not so much premise. I should have said form. It plays around with like a lot of the form of a show. Um, it 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 is a straight up a a sitcom comedy for like the first couple of episodes, and then it turns into yeah. something much different. Um, but I, I, I find my, I found myself just really, really enjoying it. Um, and I was happy with that, but the more I've watched Loki, the more I super, I, I really, really think that that show is going to be my favorite, um, so far. Yeah. Um, but my least favorite by long, long margin though, um, is still, uh, going to be, man, I, I did not like Falco soldier at all, at all. Um, I thought it was there were a lot of really bad acting moments and a lot of um, I don't know if this is going to make sense to everybody who um, hasn't written uh, scripts before or like read about um, uh, read about uh, scripts, how to do how they've been written. (laughs) Um, But uh, when when you are writing a lot of times you will write draft after draft after draft. And if you um, get really deep inside of those drafts, you can end up with a good product. But if you're somebody who goes through like the first time and then just like, um, you know, kind of leaves it as is a lot of people call that very lazy writing. And it felt a lot of times like they did that in the show. So you felt like it was very first drafty. Yes. It was like, there were so many times when I was, I was listening to them say lines and I was just like, they did not revise that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I agree with you on that. Um, But I do, I did find that that, that one was probably my least favorite of the three so far as well. And I, I did feel that it was a bit muddled. I think so far Loki has been the most focused. I think I, I feel like WandaVision. And again, some of this comes from like the way that I approached the fandom and the, I think the misunderstanding that the entire fandom had about what WandaVision was and what it was trying to do. We all, not we all, but everybody that kind of got deep into the fandom of WandaVision kind of thought that it was going that it was setting up a big mystery that would be a huge reveal for the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh and it was not it was there was no mystery right like i mean you know it's not that nothing that you don't know about was happening that you find out about later but just like that the revelations were pretty banal in the grand scheme of things like people were like this is going to be the next big bad of the Marvel Cinematic Universe being introduced here it's not um, there. It was just and it, and there was even one really big reveal, which I guess it's recent enough that I don't want to spoil it specifically, uh, although you probably do know what it is that that one character turned out to be a different character. And uh, that was really interesting and was totally called by a lot of the sort of devoted Marvel fan base. And they were right. But the way that then that character was used was really weird and really somewhat anticlimactic. And I I just think that WandaVision and, and, you know, if you think about WandaVision's first episode, 
like it is this love letter to early sitcoms and that's really interesting but the actual plot of the show wandavision and what it's setting up and what it's doing doesn't have a lot to do with an episode of a sitcom and so it plays out like an episode of a sitcom but if you look at it as the episode of a miniseries which is what it actually is it's not a very good episode of a miniseries yeah it's kind of a concept episode right like they introduce the concept that also the miniseries will be living in. And then they spend an episode spinning their wheels there and doing a sitcom homage rather than moving along the plot of WandaVision. And I think the sitcom homage was super fun and uh, I'm not upset that it happened, but it's not like a, it is not a strong sort of propulsive starting point for anybody that's not sold on it. Whereas I think that, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was was kind of just an a an extra long MCU movie and like definitely a very middling one at that. And also, what is with this scene in Falcon and the Winter Soldier where they go and have therapy together, except that it's Bucky's therapist and Sam is not in therapy? Oh, yeah. And randomly she gives them a surprise double session with no explanation And Sam is like, no, thanks. I don't want to do that. And she's like, you're coming with me. And there is no reason given as to why she would have that authority nor why she would feel that he should go along with it. It's just the show is not good. It's not good. (laughs) It's just, I don't, I don't know that I agree that it's not good, but I do think it's a bit of a mess. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was a, a pretty fun mess. And something I enjoyed overall. But yeah, they've both been kind of messy and a little unfocused. And I have so far felt that Loki uh, of the first four of six episodes has been pretty, pretty solid and has not really had any of those issues. Um, I I saw an article headline while you and I were getting set up to record that indicated that the writer of the article would not agree with me on that. But I, I think that Loki's been pretty good so far. And I've heard that Black Widow is good, but that it's funnier than you'd expect. It's less Winter Soldier and more Ragnarok, which I was really surprised to hear. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about that because I love Ragnarok, but that's me. Yeah. Um, Anyways, uh, we have have anime to talk about today, so get ready, you guys. Um, So, first and foremost, we need to hear about... Yeah, we need to hear about what happened previously on Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is about two brothers, Ed and Al. They are young. I think Ed is about 15 and Al is like two or three years younger. When they were even younger than that, their mother died and they tried to bring her back to life. They did this using the magic system of this series, which is alchemy. You might know that alchemy is also a sort of, air quotes, real-world magic in that it is a thing. It's a concept that we have here in our world that some people have thought was real from time to time, uh, in which you might be able to turn one substance into another substance by altering its molecular structure. The alchemy of this universe is that on steroids, so you're able to alter molecular structures in such dramatic ways that you can cause a cobblestone uh, alleyway to yield a stone spear, or you can turn the water in a hallway into hydrogen gas and make the hallway sort of like a bomb. 
Um, you can do all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, one of the things that you are not supposed to do is try to bring people back to life. Ed and Al, as young children, thought that that was because it is hard and not because there are repercussions. So they gave it a go. And it turns out that there are repercussions. Specifically, Alphonse, the younger brother, had his entire human body taken away from him uh, in exchange for Edward seeing the truth, which is sort of a nebulous concept at this point, but it basically gave him sort of a glimpse a glimpse into God's eye or a glimpse into the meaning of all things or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and it gave him, accelerated it gave him his alchemical powers. It gave huh? him sight beyond sight. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, do with that as you will, but in exchange, they lost Al's entire body. And so uh, I think they also lost one of Ed's limbs in that exchange. Uh, there, they have specified what paid for what. Uh, and I just can't remember it, but there you can, like the, I think he gave up like his leg to pay for uh, the knowledge at the truth and sort of did so unwittingly. Al's body was lost in bringing back their mother, which did not go as planned. Uh, Ed then gave up one of his arms in order to snag Al's soul and create a blood seal on a suit of armor to bond his soul to it. So now Al is a disembodied spirit inhabiting a suit of armor and Ed has a metallic prosthetic leg and arm, and they are on a quest to restore their bodies to normal. Also, the the thing they tried to bring back was uh, not not a living mother, but was like a horribly mangled like zombie thing that pretty pretty immediately died upon reentry. So uh, Ed and Al have a very tragic backstory, and they are on a quest to figure out how to restore their bodies. Generally speaking, that's a hard proposition because there's this thing in alchemy called equivalent exchange, which says if you want to do something, you have to give up something of equal value in return. And so what do you give up to get back your your little brother's human body and your lost limbs? Um, Well, there might be a loophole, and it's this thing called the Philosopher's Stone, which somehow turns... uh, turns the equivalent exchange on its head. It seems to take the place of equivalent exchange while also supercharging alchemy. And so if they can get their hands on one, they might be able to solve this problem. They have been hunting around for it for the show and been getting into uh, increasingly dire situations in the searching. I think they've also pretty much figured out that Philosopher's Stones is people. So that's not great. Soil and green situation (laughs) here. Uh, So uh, they're kind of having trouble knowing what to do about that. They've got a pretty big supporting cast. I listed a lot of them here, and then even more of them show up in the episodes, but at some point something had to give. So they have a childhood friend named Winry and her grandmother, Pinaco, that sort of took them in when their mother died and helped to raise them. Winry also is the person who uh, maintains Ed's prosthetic leg and arm, and she is currently in Central, which is the capital city of their country, with them. They recently met a guy named Ling, and Ling is from another nation called Xing. It's across a big old desert, and they have similar thing to alchemy, but it's called alkahestry, and it works a little bit differently. God, no, all I can is, hear is Ling from Xing. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what it is, so... Damn it, uh, Ling from Xing. 
<laughs> so he showed up and he is going to uh, cause problems because he is a bit of a doof. Um, there are some military members because Edward is a member of the military, even though he's very young. That's actually something that makes him well known is that he is atypically young to have his position, which is that of state alchemist. It's basically a, uh, a state researcher who gets a pretty sweet retainer, but can also be called on to war at any moment because you're actually part of the military. So Ed joined them to help with his research into the Philosopher's Stone and has found himself embroiled in some military stuff. Specifically, there's a guy named Colonel Mustang who he keeps running into, uh, who is investigating the death of a close friend of both Colonel Mustang and Ed and Al, a man named uh, Major Maze Hughes. I think Major, he got promoted after he was killed. He was killed while Ed and Al were out of town. Uh, they and Winry are not aware that Hughes was killed, but do want to f- go and see him when they get back in town this episode, and that's going to be fun. There's also yeah. a woman named Ross who is uh, has been serving as a sort of like bodyguard security detail for Ed and Al and found herself in some tight situations uh, helping out with them, and that's going to come up today. They've met some villainous characters named Lust, Envy, and Gluttony, There's four others. Guess their names. Uh, These are homunculi, which seem to be humans made with alchemy rather than the old-fashioned way. And uh, they are also sort of evil. They have some machinations. They have encountered our heroes periodically as antagonists. We, the viewers, are aware that they are also the ones who killed Maze Hughes, although uh, nobody on our hero team is aware of that. Uh, We are also aware that the uh, president, ruler, whatever, Fuhrer King Bradley is one of them, and that's not great. And uh, last time in our coverage, there was a mysterious blonde boy who they called Father, who was uh, sitting in a big, weird steampunk chair underground and drinking, drinking philosopher juice, and they all answer to him, and they are all doing something. And we don't know what, but we do know that they have mentioned Ed as a possible sacrifice and as a uh, high-quality sacrifice material. And so that's probably not good. Um, <laughs> the country that all of this is taking place in is Amestris. There's a small country attached to it called Ishval. Amestris did some bad civil war genocide things to Ishval in the past and they got a grudge about it and uh, that'll come up a little bit too but i think that's i think that's pretty much everything in a very complicated show uh, i yeah. definitely messed some stuff but you'll more or less be able to follow along as we pick up with episode 16 episode 16 footsteps of a comrade in arms this episode is basically oh man it's really just one thing <laughs> Which is just, okay, Ross is not good <laughs> at what she does. <laughs> um, um, well, <laughs> you know, she didn't, so she's here's trying, what happens. She's trying hard, but like, Mustang is just like, oh, Hugh's, Hugh's retired. Ross is just like, yeah, retired to death. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, uh, 
that's oh, God. <laughs> that's not an accurate representation, but it is funny. <laughs> yeah, Ed and Al don't know that Hughes is dead, and Mustang is aware of that, and he decides to tell them that Hughes retired and his family moved away with him to the country to have a happy, relaxing life. And this is dubious for two reasons. The first of which, a little stupider, and not entirely Mustang's fault, is that he said their family moved away. The family did not move away, and Winry is there now. Yeah, <laughs> so like... This was like, inevitably going to blow up in Mustang's face one way or the other. Yeah. But uh, also, there's a really interesting moment where... Mu- so Mustang tells them that Hughes moved away, and Ed and Al are like, oh, that's a bummer. He was a cool guy. We wanted to talk to him. Also, Hughes was working on the Philosopher's Stone thing. We're trying to figure that out. He was helping us with that. They don't say that to Colonel Mustang, but it is true, and it is also why he was killed, although they don't know that also. And so they're like, oh, man, he he moved away. That's a super bummer. And Mustang goes, and there's this really interesting moment where I think it's he's with Hawkeye, right? Because he's always with Hawkeye. Yeah. And Hawkeye's the coolest. And she's like, hey, I think that was not the correct choice that you made back there. He he basically says that he he lied to them because they're kids and should be spared the bad news for as long as they can be. And her opinion is is essentially you're not really doing them any favors by lying to them about this. And it it's going to come out and they're going to be sad anyway. So you might as well get it over with, you know, they, um. they kind of have a right to know. And I definitely agree with her on this, although that's very much easier said than done. But yeah, then Ross shows up and she doesn't know any of this shit happened. And she clearly does not want to tell them, but they just heard the good news about Hughes. <laughs> And Ed says, we heard what happened with Hughes. And she (laughs) interprets that as them saying, we heard that he was killed in a phone booth in the nighttime. And so she's like, yeah, well, the military gave him a proper send off. And they're like, oh, well, that's that's great. And then she goes and they promoted him to ranks and Ed's like, that's a weird thing to do for somebody who's retiring. <laughs> and the jig is up. <laughs> and Ross immediately is like, oops. <laughs> Ross is just like, yeah, retired in death. Oh, <laughs> Save retired to die. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And then. The other thing that's going to happen inside of this episode is that they're going to go and just hang out and talk about him with his wife and daughter. And that that is not a, the best thing to do. Like, they're not that close with these people. And it's just like, I, I think I know. I, I mean, I know it's motivated by guilt. Um, yeah, but at the same time, it's just like it's still just such an open wound, and it's just well, like, they... yeah, it's, just, it's it's hard it's hard for me to to accept that like when when you are the cause of somebody's death, like you should go and you should you know tell that person that like you know they they died in the cause of it. 
immediately mm-hmm. afterwards when this is their emotions this is, are just incredibly high already it's like it's like yeah when, when you're telling somebody it's it's the same and a little bit different in a way that like okay so if you had to like when the military comes and tells somebody that died in service that they yeah you know their loved one died it's it's that is breaking news to them right but let's say right after that you have you get like the person showing up that's just like yeah i fought with this person and they died in front of me in this way it's just like give it a beat you know like people that are more in mourning like they need more than it's been like what like two weeks <laughs> like, it hasn't been a long time it's you know what they should have done spencer uh people people are happier to hear bad news when it's delivered in a British accent. Oh my God. For example, the dolphin died on the sidewalk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Way to take something that's like very real and upsetting (laughs) and just to turn it into the dumbest. Anyways, uh, all that real and upsetting stuff made me think about this funny joke from Kimmy Schmidt. (laughs) Oh God. Anyways. Yeah. So uh, it's a, it it is, um, it's interesting because Ed specifically feels personally responsible for his death. Not in the way of course that he killed him, but because he is very confident that Hughes was killed because he was involved in an investigation into the Philosopher's Stone. And some of the shit that's been happening makes it clear that there is a shadow group of spooky people trying to not let you know what's going on with the Philosopher's Stone. And so he's really confident that Hughes was killed for that. And he says as much. And it's basically like, it's my fault if I had never asked him to do this investigation. He would be alive to this day. And his wife says this devastating thing, which is made just way worse by what happens when they leave, which is she sort of laughs and is like, well, it would, it's just like him to get himself killed, helping somebody else. Yeah. And And then when they leave, they're just weeping through the door audibly. It's just, and the little girl going, don't cry, mommy. It's just, devastating but to your point earlier i think that this is a japanese thing i i uh we bring this up periodically on the show things about japanese culture and we are no experts but we've watched a lot of anime and anime is made by japanese people with japanese sensibilities and this thing of when a bad thing happens to someone else i take responsibility for it and specifically take responsibility for it by going to that person or a person close to them and taking the blame for that thing shows up in a ton of anime. So to me, this is sort of a cultural difference that they have. Whereas in America, I think, well, I'm not that full metal alchemist is sort set in alternate history, fantasy Germany. So it's not quite American, but I don't think that they would do this necessarily. But I think because the storyteller is Japanese, this happens. And also, it is a heart-wrenching scene, and she is really good at writing those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, here's the other two things that happened inside of this episode. Uh, uh, spooky homunculuses are being spooky and homunculus-y. Um, yeah, they're, they're meeting as you do. In, 
they're meeting in a room that's just full of cages and they're also just like like this guy over here yeah we he'll we'll talk about him later but we got a cage with a weird dude in it and also why is this our clubhouse yeah this is where we hang out uh because we're spooky and black and the most emo and they're like we need to keep mustang from figuring things out because i feel like mustang is gonna fuck some stuff up and they're like Yeah. yeah agreed and then we find out that like Oh God! To pile on to Ross's bad day, <laughs> they're like, "Why not?" At this point, <laughs> they're like, "By the way, you're the murderer," and she's like, "What?" And they're like, "She's yeah. like, who me?" Yeah, which takes us into episode seventeen, Cold Flame, and it opens up with them, <laughs> like Ross has an alibi, <laughs> and like a solid yeah. alibi, and still they're just like, yeah. guilty. <laughs> Yeah, here's the thing. This is a little strange. To me, I get the impression that something's cut out here, that that we're skipping over something. And I don't know if that's true. It may just be that this is not the point of the story, because it's not. The point of the story is what Ed and Al are doing, and this is related to it, but not integral to it. So it's not bad storytelling for them to move through this quickly, but I do feel that there are some strange gaps. So Ross has an alibi. Specifically, she was with her parents. And she says this, and the investigator immediately is like, well, that alibi is not going to work. The assumption that I made being because they are your parents and we could credibly assume that they might be telling the truth, but they might just be concerned about their child facing negative repercussions and lying to protect them. And that's not nothing, but also it is an alibi. (laughs) Mm. And just like rejecting it out of hand is a little much, I would say. So Mm. that's weird. But the thing that I feel is missing is that the guy investigating her is convinced that she did it. We, the viewers, know that not only did she not do it, she was doing other shit and wasn't even close to where the murder happened or involved in it in any way. The only thing that ties her to this is that she fired one shot from her gun and Hughes was apparently shot once in, in his murder. And so they're like, well, one and one is one. So (laughs) here we are. You're not doing (laughs) math. Well, Blake, one and one is two. Unless it's multiplied one by one, and then that be, would be one. You don't know. You've never done math in your life. So the, the thing that I think is missing is that there, the guy who is investigating her is like barely a character. I don't know if we've seen him before, but if we have, it has not been in a significant fashion. He yeah. shows up to accuse her, take her into custody, and question her. And then later on in this episode, he shows up to question somebody else in relation to her. And the whole time, his entire demeanor is, she did it, and I'm not buying any evidence to the contrary. Mm-hmm. And I want her to go to prison. And uh, yeah. presumably to be killed for this. Because somebody somebody else does mention that she will probably face a firing squad over this. Um, and I'm just like, why... Why does why is he so convinced? Like her her conviction came out of nowhere weeks later, 
And we, as the viewers, just saw the homunculi being like, we got to do something to distract Mustang. And then in an immediate next scene, in what I assumed was something called an answer cut. An answer cut is when a question is posed by somebody and then you cut to another scene, which is an implicit answer to the question that was asked. And so to me, Ross being arrested for this is the distraction. And the guy interrogating her is not a homunculus. He's just a military guy. But the reason that he is so convinced is never brought up. The evidence that he has is just the fact that she shot one bullet and Hughes was shot by one bullet. And I just don't get it. Like, why is he so convinced? That's missing to me. And it's weird, but I do otherwise really like this this whole plot beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, there is... Uh, uh, well, there's two different characters that... Um, Let's just say that they're basically from a different genre of cartoon animation. Um, one of them is Ling from Shing, um, who was arrested <laughs> because he wandered around so much he got so tired, and uh, then he had to pass out because he hadn't eaten enough food. And then when he was uh, interrogated about this, he's, they were like, well, you came to this country without papers. And he was just like, shit. And then he was arrested. Um, yeah. And so Ross, Why doesn't he have papers? He's literally royalty. I know. Ross, who's in jail uh, now, is going to be broken out of jail by Barry the Chopper, another character that is from a different cartoon, uh, probably one that's like closer, closely related to like Courage the Cowardly Dog, where yeah. like... He is a he is a scary, spooky guy, but also ridiculous in a way. He, he's a comedy murder suck. psycho. Yeah, for sure. Oh, sorry. Um, I need to be quieter. Apparently. Um, oh, are you so, too loud? Yes. Are you using your theater voice? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the other character, the other <laughs> character that is absolutely a a cartoon. Link from Shang um, is from just like a a, a silly, dumb cartoon. <laughs> he's just he's just a goofball, and he's like, there's something going on there because we saw him in a moment earlier, being not the goofball we've seen him be, otherwise. But uh, that something is not going to show up in this episode. So mm-hmm. Barry the Chopper goes into prison and breaks out Ross, and also on the way, unplanned, breaks out Ling. Because we'll find out later on that Ling, he is enchanted by the idea of immortality because he is royalty, but he's so far down in the line of succession that he needs something to boost his chances. And the the current ruler would really love not having to die. And so if he can figure out how to do that, that would be a big boost for his, uh, you know, his um, presence on the stage. And so he's going to he he sees that Barry the Chopper is a disembodied spirit inhabiting a uh, suit of armor, just like Alphonse. And he's like, hey, I will help you with whatever the fuck this is if I can ask you about how you're immortal later. And Barry's like, sure, whatever. You you seem fine. So then they yeah. break Ross out and they get yeah. out of the jail. So two things are going to happen. And then Ed and Al show up. Huh? So 
Ed and Al are going to show up and they're going to get into a straight up fight. Um, kind with- of. Ed and Al show up and are like, what's going on here? And Barry's like, you're getting chopped is what's going on. <laughs> yes. I'm like, it is not clear at any point that Ed and Al want to fight or want to stop what's happening. But yeah. Barry is just like, I'm going to chop him. Yeah, you're Barry, on, you're now on chopped. We're gonna use this unheard of ingredient to chop your fucking heads off. Yeah, Barry, wa- he definitely wants him to get into the chopper. Um, yeah, he's so, gonna get to the dessert round. You, it doesn't matter how, but you don't get in his way. Yeah. So the other thing that's gonna happen though is that Ross, while fleeing, is going to be flame broiled alive by Mustang. Um, pew, pew. <laughs> and Mustang is just like, I was given the right to do this because she was found guilty and, uh, Al and, uh, Barry and, uh, you know, everybody else are going to be like, Oh, and Ed is going to absolutely lose his shit about this because yeah, he's very upset. He, he's like, Ross, I don't think did this. I, I think you're wrong. Um, and it leads to L being taken away. Um, well, and there's this, there's also this whole thing too, where it, it doesn't last for very long, but it, it, they do say that they think that they insinuate that Mustang killed her because he was mad about Hughes, his friend being killed. And since she was accused of it, he, he used her escape as an opportunity to find and kill her instead of allowing her to be brought to justice in the other way, which I think was going to lead to her death anyway. So I don't know why anybody's super upset, but they, they kind of insinuate that. And Mustang is just like, no, I had the right to do this and mind your business. Mm-hmm. Okay. That leads us into the next episode, episode 18, the arrogant palm of a small human. This episode, this episode title. I know it's just, uh, I don't, I don't agree that this is a good episode title. <laughs> it's one of those. It's just one- like, I, I'm thinking about it. I don't know what it is referring to. Yeah. And okay. Um, it turns out Ross isn't dead. And the yeah. way that we're going to find this out um, is by um, the, the explosion was just like a, like a decoy and then they threw out like a charred body and they were like, it was, it was Ross. <laughs> it was made of pork and some other chemicals that they alchemized into a dummy human body. And they're also like, well, they'll check her dental records because they, they mentioned earlier in the episode before they do the flashback of how it really happened that they checked the dental rep- records of the corpse. And it is indeed Ross. And then in the flashback of how it happened, Mustang is like, give me these ingredients. They make a human body and I am going to burn it and say that I killed Ross when I did not. And somebody else is like, well, they'll check her dental records. And he's like, I thought of that. And then he doesn't say anything else about it. And they don't take out Ross's teeth. And what did they do? What did they do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess you could just alchemize somebody's teeth. If you, if you take the measurement, like, let me feel around in your mouth for a second. And then I'm going to touch these, uh, these just loose teeth down here on my pork body and then you're going to be dead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's th- this episode is, I don't know, man. I, I feel like this episode right. is, is just kind of like they go one place and then 
nothing really happens, and then they're reunited. That's. I feel like it's a transitional episode that just drops a little bit of information, mm-hmm. and then you move on to the next thing. Yeah, so Ed and Armstrong, they're going to be going to the ruins of uh, Xerxes. Um, I, I believe that's how I think it's, it's pronounced. Xerxes. Oh, man. If it's Xerxes, then it's going to be like that big, giant, evil guy from 300. Yeah, um, yeah the uh, gay panic villain from the movie The 300. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it after they reveal that Ross is still alive, um, they then find a transmutation circle um, in Xerxes. Um, and then there's a, a big a big to-do with some Ishvalans where they're going <laughs> to almost... Much ado about nothing, if you will. Yeah, they're going to try to take Ed, and then they're going to be... Uh, the uh, One elder is going to be like, no, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> we do not do this! And they're like, yeah, I guess you're right, but we were going to do it, though. <laughs> but So they don't. And Ed is just like, yeah. that's good to know. You find, out, you find out that Winry's parents helped the Ishvalans in the war, which we already knew, but these Ishvalans know about it and they're grateful and it helps them feel better about not kidnapping Ed. And then they find out that the Rockbells were killed by an Ishvalan after they helped him and that it was a dude with tattoos on his arms. And the Wikipedia article for this episode... <laughs> says that Scar is confirmed to be the killer. The dub does I, not confirm that. Yes, that and doesn't I'm at all. I'm not sure that that's true. <laughs> yeah, I saw you write this down inside of the notes, and I was just like, that's wrong. They didn't say yeah. that. Like The Wikipedia I, article specifically says Scar is confirmed to be their killer. And I'm like, his face is not shown in the episode. He is not name-dropped. And we see the arm that Scar has, but we do already know that that is not his arm. It belonged to his brother. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, I think it was not Scar, but Wikipedia was real confident. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to say appears to be Scar because I don't agree. Yeah. Um, yet, Me- meanwhile, the, the character that is not from this cartoon, well, we- Barry, is attacked <laughs> the- by other Barry who was locked in a cage earlier. You remember the hey, person in the cage? It's other Barry. <laughs> the uh the the thing before we leave xerxes spencer mentioned they found a transmutation circle this is relevant because the people of xerxes it used to be a thriving city and then they all disappeared overnight and maybe that transmutation circle is connected to that who's to say yeah yeah um this episode is going to leave you on a cliffhanger where hawkeye is going to be attacked by gluttony and that takes us into episode 19 Death of the Undying. This Ooh, episode, this episode's so good. <laughs> oh, this yeah, this episode is is fantastic. So this episode's fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyways, this episode is going to start out with um, uh, Hawkeye just laying so many bullets into Gluttony, and then she's going to be injured. She's going to be you know um, uh, given some additional assistance by other guy with gun and dog. Um, yeah, who are his just name was in Wikipedia, but I didn't care enough. Yeah, they're just going to uh, fire additional guns at Gluttony, which still does nothing. Um, the dog the does only- not fire guns, just to be clear. Yeah, you don't know. Um, you hear a lot of gunshots, <laughs> and then when you cut back, the the dog has put his gun back into his holster. <laughs> you can't see because it it's under the fur. Um, it's small but powerful. Anyways, uh, it's it's his it's his 
It's his red rocket, if you will. Anyways. Um, no, I won't. I won't. <laughs> okay. So um, then Mustang is going to show up to, uh, you know, save their lives. And when he yeah. does, the first thing that happens is that Hawkeye is just like, you weren't supposed to leave your post. And I was just like, bitch. <laughs> I love this this Japanese sense of, sense of honor mixed with military, you know, your Euro style military tradition is a, it's a really good mix. So like he should have saved them. And she's specifically upset, not necessarily that he left his post, but that the reason he was at that post was so that nobody could tie him to this operation. And she is dismayed that they have now lost that. And that's interesting, but she also would have definitely died. So it's probably for the best. Yeah. So uh, Mustang Mustang and uh, Havoc, they're going to run into Lust. And the thing that we haven't mentioned yet is that Lust has been running around town just just being somebody else. And uh, Yeah, she's pretending to be a real girl. Yeah, so here's the thing about Havoc. <laughs> He's got terrible <laughs> tests in women. Um, and what what's going to happen is that he was dating her and giving her information um, you know, classified things. Um, and so when Mustang and Havoc run into her, they're like, oh, and Mustang is just like, she seems dubious. And Havoc is just like, this is my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. It's like that episode of The Office where Andy is dating a high schooler without realizing it. And then yeah. Jim and Andy go to the high school to sell them paper. And Andy's like, why is my girlfriend here? Except that then if the girlfriend grew sharp claws and started murdering people. Yeah. That. So she's going to stab Havoc and she's going to also stab Mustang. And if you were watching this show for the first time, you might have thought, damn, they just killed off my favorite character or one of my yeah. favorite characters. Because um, Mustang's cool. You, you would be incorrect because um, the the way that this happens, first and foremost, is that Mustang is going to... Um, open a hole in her chest uh, so that her uh, her philosopher's stone is going to be revealed and then he's oh, going yeah because she does that out. villain thing that villains in James Bond movies do where they're like well you're gonna die um, so I'm gonna tell you all the details you didn't figure out because you won't be able to take that information out of here and uh, I am going to not literally see that you're dead but I mm-hmm. am going to leave you with the assumption that you'll be dead soon and probably nothing bad will happen so yes. she does one of those, and she reveals that in basically in place of a heart, she has a philosopher's stone. Yeah, uh, so Mustang the- rips out her heart, and he's like, okay, well, I'm going to use this to heal Havoc. But before he can do that, she regenerates back around the philosopher's stone that was ripped out of her chest. It's and, cool. Yeah, and she stabs Mustang, and it's really cool. Um, and then there is a, a big confrontation um, between the the boys um, and the boys uh, and all, those those boys being um, you know our our good friend Ed um, and also Barry Al, the Butcher Ed. Ed's not there uh, oh shit sorry um, Al uh, Al and the boys uh, well the boy other boy being the two idiots one Barry inside of his uh, you know. Barry body and the other one mm. Barry inside of his metal body. Um, and they're going to want to get also Hawkeye is there. Yeah. Um, Hawkeye is, 
is one of the boys in the sense that she is uh, cooler than basically everybody else. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so the Hawkeye's the, thing, the coolest for the sure. Thing that's the thing that's the okay. There's going to be two curb stomps that happen in this episode. One of them is a cool curb stomp, and the second one is not. They both involve lust, and Barry is going to jump and try to kill lust. And Lust is just going to be like, shut up. And just cuts him into bits. And it takes like no time. Um, It's also really sad in a small way that I'll reference later. Then Mm -hmm. Lust is like, your Mustang is dead. I killed him, by the way. And Hawkeye really tugs on the heartstrings here by shooting her a lot, but getting all emotional. And Hawkeye is aware because of their encounter with gluttony earlier that shooting her a lot's probably not going to do anything, but it sure feels good. Doesn't it? And so she goes ahead and does that and she cries and it's real sad. And then um, it, it, you know, she runs out of bullets. Yeah. So Barry, after being destroyed um, is going to, um, he, 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 there Hawkeye is going to be killed by lust unless Al was there and Al steps in the way and is able to deflect the big giant blades that lust sticks out at her or, um, and before they're able to be impaled again and destroyed, um, a big giant wall is going to be, uh, alchemically drawn up in front of them. Um, and Al Al sees that Mustang is not dead. Yeah. And he puts up an, Oh shit wall. And I love that. Yeah. And, uh, lust has just enough time to turn around before she gets horribly badly burned. Um, Mustang is going to have carved a, um, a alchemy circle into his hand. Um, and he is using his lighter that he carries around for sparks in order to use as a chemical reaction and use a bunch of fire to burn lust so many times that yeah he's like hey have you heard about this new show called burn the witch <laughs> and she's like i have it and he's like what's well, supposed to be pretty cool yeah so he's gonna burn her so many times that uh, eventually she is going to be unable to regenerate and she breaks down and she's just like i'm looking forward to when your soul is ripped apart and all I could think was just like, man, that is such an emo way to go. Um, and then um, the the final moments of this episode are shown that Edward has returned to Risen Bowl, where he was forced to go. Um, and he is encountered by his dad, Hohenheim, at their mother's grave. And it is like one of the craziest cliffhanger moments when I was originally watching the show. Um, because I was just like, okay, so they're going to be reunited at, you know, the final moments of the show. Um, probably because he seems like he is going to be a big bad and he's going to be at the very end. I forgot this happened. Um, and was additionally like, what? Um, yeah. Oh, it's weird because I didn't say this in our last episode's coverage. But when the homunculi are hanging out in their underground lair with father, I was like, I'm pretty sure we have seen Ed and Al's dad and we know that he looks like this. And that's weird. Uh, but I couldn't remember if that was something that has actually been shown or is just a thing that I know because I've seen the entire, you know, original anime series and uh, and also have seen most of this one. 
So I didn't say it because I wasn't sure if it was a spoiler, but this dude looks exactly like father. And that's weird. Mm-hmm. So and father looks a bit worse for the wear, but they otherwise look identical. Yeah, we'll find out they more about that. They look like twins that. where one of them hasn't been showering lately. Yeah, we'll find out more about that later. Um, first, we have to epi- have episode 20, Father Before the Grave. Um, this is where, a really, really, really good episode title. Yeah, and here's here's the thing about this episode. Um, this episode is is all about Ed just having a horrible time um, with Hohenheim. He is not happy um, about the fact that he felt like his whole life broke apart, and part of the reason why it broke apart was because his mother was not able to get the care that she needed by the absentee father that was also supposed to be there for he and his brother. And because of this, um, basically everybody in this town, Hohenheim's going to give advice and they're all going to be like, nah, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He, he went to go get cigarettes and never came back. mm -hmm. And he probably could have helped her not die or at least not die so bad. Yeah, uh, but he was busy with those cigarettes, and uh, and now added is not cool with it, and no cigarettes in sight. So I don't know what the fuck. Yeah, the other thing that happens inside of this episode, which is huge, is that uh, there was a reveal that the mother is not actually the mother in the grave, and yeah. the reason why is when you are bringing back something like that, um, a dead person. Um, without being able to attach their soul, um, you are going to be bringing back something else. Um, and that is going to re- release some of the guilt and burden on top of Ed. And mo- uh, more, I guess, upsetting and also not as upsetting at the same time uh, is their teacher, which, when revealing this to their teacher, is going to be like, you know, I didn't kill my child twice, basically, sort yeah. of moment. Um, which I, is that really hits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like, you know, most of the shows we watch, uh, you know, they can have some adult plot lines. Like, I don't know, Naruto that has pretty high stakes. It has a metaphor for nuclear proliferation. It's dealing with some adult topics, but uh, it's pretty whimsical, all things considered. And Full Metal Alchemist is just like, sometimes your kids die, and that sucks. And then you get real sad about it. And that's the end of that story. Yep. And, uh, and so we're also going to find out that for sure, Al is actually Al. Um, yeah, this is that's cool. going to be confirmed. And that's a, a big, important sort of like sort of Damocles that has been hanging over them um, where they're just like, you know, just waiting for it to fall and take them, you know, take away all of their hopes and dreams of getting their bodies back. Um, but this just confirms that they're just like, no, we can get our bodies back and we're going to do yeah, it. it. It's specifically because Al has a memory that Ed does not mm-hmm. from when he was human. And Winry also remembers it. It's a conversation that the two of them shared that Al or that Ed was not aware of. And they don't say this exactly, but, but basically what he's confirming is that, I couldn't have created a soul that seems like Al because I didn't know this memory existed. And because he has it, it really is him. 
Mm-hmm. And that is really cool. And I, I love that. And I want, I wanted to say the last thing I want to say about these episodes is a scene from earlier when Hohenheim gives some advice specifically to Pinaco, who, if you recall, is Winry's mother and is, or, or is, uh, sorry, Winry's grandmother and is something of a mother figure uh, to Ed and Al because she took them in when their real mother died. And Hohenheim says there is going to be a terrible tragedy in the nation of Amestris, where we are, and you should get out before that thing happens. And Pinaco is like, yeah, well, bad stuff happens here all the time, but there are some people who need a place to return to that they can call home, and I'm not going anywhere. And I just thought that was so, so sweet. And I, I just, it really warmed, warmed my heart in a series of episodes that were very heavy. Uh, it was really just a lovely moment. Yeah. And with that, we are done with these episodes this week. So stick with us after these credits and we'll talk about what's coming up next week. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind podcast network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of The Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on comic book keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geeksploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Mob Psycho 100. Oh man, don't get me super awkward or I'm going to get absolutely 100. <laughs> honey, honey pee. You'll find out what that means soon. <laughs>